0: This is the Frogs War podcast. For the last several episodes, you have been listening to the dulcet tones of Parker Fleming as he leads you through the muddy and murky waters of college football analytics and stats. But now, you are uh, back with the original crew. I am Jamie Plunkett. I'm Melissa Trudewasser. And guess what, folks? It's game week. Game week. We finally made it through the doldrums of summer. Uh, And there's TCU football on Saturday.
1: There is. And you know what that means? It means we're finally going to get to stop talking about who's starting at quarterback for TCU and actually see who's starting at quarterback for TCU.
0: I'm excited about that because I don't know if you noticed this, Melissa, but on our run sheet for this episode, we have, I think, five minutes designated for quarterback talk. And that's five more minutes
1: that I want to talk about it because it's all I've been talking about for the last three months.
0: It's been beaten down and beaten down and beaten down. And we kind of have an idea of who it's going to be anyways. So we're going to move on to other things throughout this episode. We're going to do big season preview, team preview. We're going to talk about bold predictions. We're going to talk a little bit about Arkansas Pine Bluff from a different angle. We're not going to give you like a in-depth Arkansas Pine Bluff offensive and de- defensive breakdown because we're just not going to do that. Um, we're not going to waste anybody's time. But this is going to be a packed episode. And really, Melissa, it's just – it's been a crazy summer. It's been a great spring. But there's nothing quite like football season to get you all amped up and ready to rock. But there, with football season, I think, come some resolution to um, – storylines that we have seen throughout the summer, Uh, some narratives get closure, I think, get closure in the midst of um, football season and all that kind of stuff. So why don't you go ahead and start us off with what storyline have you been paying attention to this summer that you are ready for a resolution for that's not TC related?
1: Well, the one I think we're not going to get a resolution for but that I have found to be the most interesting, and it does somewhat peripherally involve TCU as well, is the transfer portal and how that has kind of shaken out over the course of the spring, after spring ball, into the summer, and, of course, now that we're into fall camp, uh, seeing – how players are transferring, where they're transferring to, and then what types of players are getting eligibility, immediate eligibility. Um, Of course, TC was one of like two people to not get a waiver to play right away when it came to quarterback Matthew Baldwin. But we have seen some really interesting decisions by the NCAA as they are uh, wrote to do Um, and things Mm -hmm. that just don't seem to make a whole lot of sense. And so uh, how coaches handle that, how they talk about it publicly, how players talk about it publicly, Uh, I think it's been really interesting... As we start to see this shift in some of the professional leagues, uh, the NBA especially, and now with Andrew Luck retiring, the players taking back control of not just themselves, but their bodies and their futures. And so giving NCAA players uh, just a, a small amount of that control with this transfer portal uh, has been really interesting to watch and to see how coaches have reacted to some of the decision-making that's gone on uh, throughout college football this this off season.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting too, because you know you see all of these guys becoming immediately eligible, except uh, pretty much everyone except for uh, TCU's transfer quarterback from Ohio State, at Matthew Baldwin, and uh, you know it's the funny thing to me is like some of these big guys have not, big names have not won the starting job at the new school that they've transferred to. You know, you've got Tate Martell who got beat out by a freshman. You've got Justin Fields who got beat out by someone else at Ohio State. Um, And it doesn't really seem that, that the NCAA is making these decisions by any kind of standardized process for review. It does just seem like it's each individual circumstance is reviewed in a vacuum and a decision is made. And most of the time that decision is yes and then rather, you know, arbitrarily that that decision is a no
1: yeah i mean the thing that's super frustrating to me is that there really is no rhyme or reason and i understand wanting to look at each case individually and that there is some gray area here but they won't there's no transparency I mean, just zero transparency as to why some of these guys are, are getting to play right away while others are not, um, and it's really, it's got to be really frustrating for Matthew Baldwin, for TCU, um, for for these, these handful of people who haven't gotten um, any type of answer, especially when you look, his case is, is pretty legitimate um, as he's moving closer to home and things like that, and yet, yeah, you know, Here we are. Meanwhile, you know, Tate Martells was probably the most egregious, and so I guess it's a little shot and fraud that uh, he, he's not getting to start. But um, mm-hmm. it's par for the course when it comes to the NCAA, and I just guess at this point we can't be surprised.
0: Uh, we cannot be surprised um, at all, at all. Uh, and especially, you know, the questions are going to start rolling now, though, since Miami lost their first game. They lost to Florida. Uh, starting quarterback for Miami did not look very good. And so, you know, they're going to just be big questions now, I guess, going into week two for the Hurricanes. almost said Ducks, but (laughs) I'm not in football mode yet. Yeah, not quite yet. No. Uh, I think the biggest storyline for me, though, uh, that will hopefully have some resolve, but really probably not uh, throughout the college football season, is I am a big fan of coaching rumors. And I was, my interest was peaked. I, I had the chance to go to the Solid Verbal live show when it was in Dallas a couple of weeks ago. And I love, love, love the Solid Verbal. If y'all don't listen to that podcast, you were missing out completely. They do some really fun stuff. But in the midst of this live show, they were talking about um, Urban Meyer coaching rumors. And just his connection with USC. Apparently there have been a ton of rumors already about Urban Meyer and his uh, coaching connection to USC. Like all of these rumors are saying, oh, well, if they don't have a good season, they're going to fire their coach and uh, they're going to go after Urban. And so I am excited because there is nothing quite like a ridiculous Urban Meyer storyline to keep the college football community totally beaten down um, because of his just never-ending presence and just incessant talking about him. So I am ready for just all of the rumors, and I am ready for that to be resolved with him to either definitively say he's not coming back um, or for him to take another coaching job and then just watch all of that start to blow up.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I'll just say this. Urban Meyer will be back.
0: A thousand percent. Yeah. Like and I'm I'm ready I'm ready to be done with the rumors already at this point and just to move on to the next gig. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So that we can start hating them somewhere else.
0: Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to maybe schedule that team and play them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That'd be pretty nice. I'd be all for it. Be pretty nice, but uh, this is a TCU podcast, so let's get back to TCU a little bit. What's the biggest TCU storyline of the off season that you are that you've been keeping up with that you're ready to kind of see some resolution for? And you can't say quarterback battle.
1: Yeah, I, I was I was gonna say I don't want to say quarterback. Um, I mean, I think there have been a lot of them. Uh, you know, obviously, this is a really interesting time period in TCU's history. Uh, you know, we're we're kind of on the cusp of. Uh, the columnist for the start telegram that shall not be named uh, started talking about retirement that got thrown around a little bit this summer. Um, and, mm-hmm. and it's, it was kind of a, this is kind of a, a turning point year for the TCU football program. Uh, you've got uh, Gary Patterson, who's, you know, been around now for 20 years working on his 20th recruiting class. I believe you've got a bunch of assistants who have been there for a while but guys that are going to start having more opportunities and you start to think about what the, what the contingency plan is, what's going on behind the scenes. Um, so that's been a big one. But honestly, the thing that has gotten me, uh, that I've been most intrigued by has been, uh, Jeremiah Donati's 30 days, 30 changes for the TC mm-hmm. football stadium. Uh, I have really, really enjoyed that and shameless plug to the website. If you've missed any of those announcements, we've been keeping track of all of them for you. It's a pinned post uh, on our front page, but uh, I am so hardcore team Donati at this point. Like I am all in for ADJD. Uh, I love what he's doing, not just from a, a practical decision, not just from finally getting beer sold in the stadium, but the way that he's doing it and how he's so invested in keeping fans a part of the process has I really think brought people in. Uh, uh, and so I've loved watching him make those announcements. I think it was a really smart, uh, heavy play when they knew the stadium wasn't going to be ready in time, uh, the new the new loge boxes and the suites, to find other ways to, to bolster fan engagement and interest. And uh, some of these have been kind of silly, like, oh, here's a flag shaped like a horned frog. But a lot of them have been really cool. They're bringing in a lot of local businesses, local vendors for food and drink options. Obviously, alcohol in the stadium is was the big one. Um, but I'm super excited to kind of see what this atmosphere looks like on, on Saturday night and how these small changes kind of add up to, to making a big difference on game day.
0: Yeah, I'm excited too. And I, I've seen some people complaining about some of the smaller things that he's announced on Instagram and Twitter. And the reality is is not every single thing. If you're going to introduce 30 new things in 30 days, it's not going to be all massive changes and shifts like – Having a selling alcohol in the stadium, like it's just not feasible. And so people, I think, have found an opportunity to complain about tiny things. When in reality, the the general scope of all of the things that are changing and shifting and are new and exciting, I'm I'm pumped. I'm I'm right there with you to see how. Alcohol sales impact things in the stadium. I think the happy hour idea was a really cool idea um, to get people in at kickoff because, gosh, TCU fans are terrible at getting in, in the stadium at kickoff. Um, and even if the boxes aren't finished, which they're not, they're still going to have the impact of providing a little bit of shade to the east side of the stadium. So I really do think that even in in, in the light of – that those boxes aren't going to be done. It's going to be a totally different and kind of revitalized and rejuvenated fan experience this year. And that's something that was pretty, pretty desperately needed. Uh, And I just hope that, that for at least a season, TCU fans buy in and just stop complaining.
1: Yeah. And and I am 100% team, uh, no in and out. And maybe that's because you and I don't really have a choice, Uh, We're Mm -hmm. we're in there for the long haul, but also I I am so sick of seeing opposing fans on Twitter tweeting out pictures at the start of the third quarter when it's 120 degrees on the field and saying how empty Mm -hmm. our stadium (laughs) is and how bad uh, our fans are. So if nothing else, this is going to eliminate that. Um, People are going to be mad, but people get mad about everything, so I just really don't care.
0: Yeah, I don't care either, and uh, I'm... Yeah, just the the few voices that I've seen on Twitter where folks have said, "Oh well, people are just going to leave and not come back." Now those people were going to leave and not come back anyway. Yeah. Those are the folks that were walking back out to the soccer lot to tailgate, and you you walk from the stadium to the soccer lot. You're not getting back for the fourth quarter. Yeah. So, There's no you know, way. It doesn't. It's it's not a loss when you think about butts and seats.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's going to be a really positive thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think my uh, biggest offseason storyline that I'm excited to uh, see is uh, related to the football team, and it is who will be the second wide receiver to alleviate some of the um, pressure off of Jalen Rager. There are like, there are a ton of names out there that could, could step up into that role. You've got Michael Barkley, you've got Tate Barber, you've got Dylan Thomas, Darius Davis, John Stevens Jr. So, there are so many of these guys who have potential and talent and skill, and they've all improved apparently from spring to fall. And now I'm just excited to get the season underway and see which one of these guys steps up into that number two role and really becomes kind of the Colby Listenbee to Rager's Josh Doxson. Yeah. Uh, Because I just think there's such a slew of talent at receiver on this team. It's time for someone else to step up into a big role.
1: Yeah, and, and there's going to have to be somebody because if you look at, if our two likely candidates at quarterback are, you know, redshirt senior who has less than impressive career numbers and a true freshman, you're going to to need somebody who can take some of the pressure off of Rager because teams are going to just lock down and triple team the safety net and see what the what the quarterback can do when, when they have to go to their second and third read. So um, I'm excited that Patterson has had a lot of really good things to say um, about Darius Davis and Tay Barber uh, and, and Johnson. C- Stevens Jr. Anybody that's that's seen him this offseason, that dude looks ready to ball out. So uh, I can't wait to see who that guy is going to be. Uh, hopefully, there's at least one of them that, that shows that they're they're ready for uh, for the big stage and and gives us something to cheer for in game one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, game one, I don't know that we'll see much because it's Arkansas Pine Bluff, but hopefully by the Purdue game. Someone will someone will step up and show out. Um, but before we before we dive too too far into specific previews, Melissa, let's take a break and then we'll kind of go unit by unit through TCU's team and talk a little bit in depth about each kind of position and and who we think is going to step up this year. All right, we are. Back from break, and we're going to start, Melissa, on the defensive line because the Frogs lose Ben Banagoo, they lose LJ Collier off of the ends, but they get back probably the biggest impact player along the defensive line that TCU has had in the last several years, and that's Ross Blacklock at defensive tackle. Melissa, what have you seen and heard about him in the fall? Uh, that has you excited about the defensive line for TCU?
1: Well, I mean, Ross is just ready. Uh, I mean, that's the easiest way to put it, is that dude looks ready to to wreck some folks. Uh, he got so focused on rehab and so focused on working out that he lost too much weight in the offseason. And so then as he rebuilt himself, uh, he he looks like an NFL defensive tackle right now. I mean, Just has absolutely all the pieces, and he looks really, really hungry. So I can't wait to see what he does. The dude's such a physical freak anyways, and with the way that he's kind of recommitted himself and and, uh, to his fitness and his overall uh, just uh, quickness, I think that he is primed uh, for just an absolutely massive massive impact and uh you can't overstate what throwing somebody like that in the middle of your defensive line does for everybody else and i think that people have really started to forget about Corey bethley but when Mm -hmm. you see those two lined up next to each other in practice uh it it gets you very very excited uh for for what this defensive line can be and and i think that uh the excitement is is absolutely uh, palatable uh, when you are walking around campus on the defensive uh, defensive end of the field, or sorry, around practice, the defensive end of the field. I mean, it is a uh, uh, he's gonna he's gonna hurt some people this year, and it's it's gonna be pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, it is, and you know uh, Brian Baldinger is uh, he works for the NFL Network and Fox Sports. He's a football analyst, and he has done a lot of work. Uh, kind of breaking down some of Ross Blacklock's film on Twitter. If you don't follow him, you can follow him at Baldi NFL, And he basically has said at this point that from what he's seen from Ross Blacklock compared to other defensive tackles around the country, he's arguably, he's, as according to Baldinger, the best defensive tackle in the Big 12 and arguably the best defensive tackle in college football. Uh, and when you have a, just a, an elite level talent like that on the inside of your defensive line it does so much for you even if you are trying to break in new defensive ends um because you you know there is talent at the end too with uh O'Shawn Mathis and uh Shamik Blacklock the transfer from South Carolina who apparently has had a really good fall sorry Shamik Blackshear um did I say Blacklock
1: yeah you said Blacklock
0: yeah, that's my bad. Black <laughs> Blackshear, and so yeah, you know, and you so you've got some talent there at end, and when you have guys like Bethley and Blacklock in the middle uh, that can just command attention from the guards, that's going to do so much for you, even if those guys are new. I really do think this is probably one of the best defensive lines that TCU has had, even with the loss of Bandicoot and Collier. I might be the, crazy. The but...
1: talent level is without question the best that it's ever been, and. And uh, after the the Cheez-It Bowl, a a certain defensive coach uh, on the staff of of TCU leaned over to me at one point and just kind of said something along the lines of, I know we're losing two really, really good ones, but just wait till you see who we roll out next year. And so uh, it's hard to lose a first and a second round draft pick and not take a step back. And so there's going to be some growing pains. But the talent is there if this group stays healthy to to absolutely be as productive or more productive than what we saw last year. Uh, And that's just by virtue of putting someone like Blacklock in. And O'Shawn Mathis is – I mean, it's unfair to ask him to live up to the pretty intense billing that that he's been given. But if this dude Mm -hmm. is 80% of what we hear that he is – he he has a chance to be pretty impactful uh, as a as a fr- redshirt freshman from day one. So I'm excited to see kind of what it all looks like, how they're deployed, and with the secondary that the, the frogs have, if everybody's healthy, in the linebacking unit, uh, there's potential for that that defensive line to have a lot of freedom to to get in the backfield and take some chances. And and that's the difference between a good defense and a great defense is can you cause turnovers, and the way that you do that is by you know, penetrating into the, the offense's backfield and, and wreaking havoc back there. So they can put pressure on quarterbacks. Um, if they can do some strip sacks, cause some fumbles, then that's when good things are going to happen for the Horn Frogs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it starts up front. It starts in the trenches. And when you've got such a good defensive line coach like Zarnell Fitch too, um, not only on the, on the field, but as a recruiter, that's such an incredible asset as well for the Horn Frogs. Um, Moving on though to linebacker, uh, this is a unit I think Melissa that there are some big questions about. Uh, if for no other reason than there's little depth, and the people on that side of uh, in that position have either shifted over from safety recently or they're pretty young. Um, right now, it looks like you have Van VanZant and. Um, Oh, gosh, Garrett Wallow as uh, the number ones with um, a couple other guys in the back uh, in the two deep. Gosh, I am so distracted right now. I'm sorry. Let me tell you why I am so distracted. I need to turn off my television because I don't know what my wife was watching earlier, but I don't know what the hell is going on on the TV right now. So let me find out it real quick.
1: While you're doing that, I will uh, dig in a little bit. I think that obviously this is Garrett Wallows. Uh, this is his unit. This is his, his opportunity to lead. And he certainly has the ability to do so, not just from an ability on the field, but he, he's really grown into a leader uh, in the locker room too, and I think that he's done a good job of taking the younger guys underneath his wing and and helping get them ready. Uh, moving uh, safeties to linebacker is something that you know most people would say is a little bit concerning, but it has been par for the course in Gary Patterson's system. And so we've seen him be successful with uh, you know Ty Summers was a quarterback, uh, Trayvon Howard was a safety. There have been just a, a litany of guys through the years that have have moved down that level and been successful. So uh, I think Kendrick Van Zant has a chance to be a really, really great player at that position and to be really impactful this year, even though he won't have a whole lot of experience practicing at linebacker, let alone playing it. Um, But he has the physical tools to be... Uh, really, really great, and, that, and alongside a hard hitter like Garrett Wallow, he should have his speed should be a real asset for the Horn Frogs. Uh, Dylan Jordan, you know, came in late, but he has the the size and the tools. He looks the part as a true freshman. Um, and then, you know, D. Winters has has really come on lately. Uh, Patterson said of him and the most recent availability prior to today that he is who he thought he was, and, and that really is the greatest compliment that Gary Patterson can give a defensive player. So uh, young. Sure unknown a little bit but uh, potential is, is really really good that is the one unit on the defensive side of the ball though that an injury a significant injury to a starter could be devastating for the defense as a whole
0: it could be but I, I think with D. Winters stepping up and you know he's he's shifted down from safety and then you've got uh, Van Zant who shifted down from safety and you've got Wyatt Harris who they shifted from the defensive end um, from linebacker when he got on campus has been moved back to linebacker and Patterson has been Patterson has been totally blown away by him um, recently as well. So there's, it's not like there's not talent. The question is how does the lack of experience at that position play in, especially early in the season? I think the biggest plus for TCU is that they do have a pretty soft non-conference schedule when you've got Pine Bluff and, a Purdue team that finished 5-7 and seven last year, we talk all the time about how they just destroyed Ohio State really randomly, but they were a very mediocre football team in 2018, and they just lost a key offensive player. I don't know that they're going to be very good this year. And then you got SMU. So you have that opportunity to break in some of these younger guys who have the raw talent and then get them in some sort of way more prepared for the Big 12 slate.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that Purdue game... Um... You know, they do still have a a pretty great player offensively that's going to be a matchup. But one thing we've always seen is uh, Gary Patterson's pretty good about taking away the thing you like the most in that Bill Bill Belichick Mm -hmm. mode. Um, But playing in West Lafayette at night, uh, pretty marquee matchup against CCU, that's going to be a tough challenge. The one thing that we will know after that game is, is how these young guys respond to that type of environment. So that can be nothing but a positive. And then coming back and going SMU and then Kansas uh, should make things a little bit easier as far as transitioning. But by the Mm -hmm. same token, uh, that just means that all of your brutal stretch comes kind of back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back in the Big 12.
0: It does. It does. And there's an extra bye week in there too, right? I mean, Frogs have two weeks to set up for Purdue. Uh, which will be helpful. Um, they have two weeks, I think, to set up for, is it Texas?
1: I'll uh, check on
0: the schedule. But they've got two weeks somewhere in the middle of October as well. They've got another bye week. So, uh, yes, the harder games come later. But that means that you're breaking in some young talent early. I guess you could argue either side of it. Um, but I think that's a positive, especially for the linebacker unit right now. Yeah. Um, maybe not for some of the others who you're worried about health and, you know, what's the grind going to do down the stretch. But I think when we're talking specifically about linebacker, that might be, might be a positive. Yeah, for sure. Um, but let's move to the other side of the ball uh, for a moment and talk about just the absolute loaded talent that there is at the skill positions on offense. Melissa beyond. I think, I think if we just asked this question blanket, the answer would be Jalen Rager. So I'm going to take him out of the equation beyond Jalen Rager could give me your top three skill position players for TCU who you are excited about heading into twenty
1: nineteen. Number one is is uh, Mikel Barkley. Like that, I, nobody's really talking about him, and and then kind of late in camp, Patterson started to mention him a little bit. Uh, he's a guy who reminds me a little bit of like. Marquise Brown light, like really, really light, um, but but still has that kind of speed and ability and uh, opportunity to be a game breaker. When you have a receiver like Rager, you need someone who can stretch the field and make plays. And assuming a quarterback arrives that can get the ball there, um, I think he could be a big-time difference maker. So he's definitely number one on my list. Uh, I'm also super excited to see Darius Anderson. I guess that a lot of people, we've just kind of forgotten about him. He was so mm-hmm. good as a sophomore until he got hurt. Um, uh, he he looked like he was primed for a breakout uh, last year, especially in that Ohio State game before he got hurt. Um, but he is healthy. He's the fastest that he's been. Uh, he looks the healthiest and the best shape that he's been. And. The dude just looks angry. Like he, uh, you can tell that he feels like things have not gone his way, and he's kind of ready to remind people that he's pretty dang good. So I can't wait to see him on the field, um, especially with the way the freshmen have kind of been pushing from behind too, and with Shea status still very much up in the air long term. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I think Darius might very well remind people while while he's been kind of a a preseason breakout candidate the last two years and just hasn't quite gotten there. Um, and then the third guy is is um I mean I don't see special teams on this so can I cheat and say that I like I'm gonna pull a grant here and say I cannot wait for Jordy Sandy. Um maybe That's totally maybe fine. Yeah, I mean maybe you want to throw that defense. Maybe we should have talked about special teams. Um I have I can't get excited about the kicking competition until I see someone make a field goal so I'm not gonna be worried about that. But Jordan Jordy Sandy is a real potentially difference maker for not just this defense, but the offense as well. Um, He has a chance to flip the field and put the frogs in better positions. And I think one thing we saw last year and also um, in in 2016 was how often TCU had to start so deep in their own territory that they never really got anything going. And when you're going to be a primarily run oriented offense, which I think TCU will be this fall um, starting on your 32 versus starting on your 18, it can be a world of difference. And I think Sandy is going to be able to put opponents in a bad position. And then the TC defense is going to have a good, have a good time trying to keep them there. So, uh, give me, give me Jordy Sandy for Ray guy, 2019.
0: Dang. All right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm here
0: for a good punter. I'm ready. My, my mind is ready. My body is ready for a punter who can consistently kick the ball more than 40 yards. Yeah. I'm here for it. Um, And I think Parker is working on or maybe has worked on uh, and published the expected points stuff that he's been working on. Mm -hmm. And all of the stuff that he's been looking into as far as how much a punter can impact a game. uh, It's wild. It's absolutely wild. Uh, So that's not a bad pick. Not at all. Uh, I think for me, the top three. I am ready uh, I am absolutely ready to see tay Barber be an elite wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I think he has all of the skills set like he's got the entire skill set he's he's incredibly fast he's not afraid to jump up and get a ball. he is shifty like he the guy has shown me so much just in the little that he's not the little that he's done he was the second second best receiver on the team last year i'm I'm ready for him to be the next kind of breakout guy. Um, I think if you have a legitimate number two who people know by name, who people look for on the field, not just like TCU fans, but analysts everywhere who say, okay, well, you've got Jalen Rager, but you also really have to pay attention to Tay Barber. I think he's ready to take that next step, and I am so pumped to see what he can do in 2019 because if he does that, Jalen Rager is going to just absolutely explode.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great pick.
0: Um, Number two is another wide receiver uh, who I am – hopeful for and that's Dylan Thomas. Mm. Um this guy this guy has been a grinder for his entire TCU career. He's been banged up a little bit and that's held him back. He's been passed up by some guys um but hopefully this is the year where he can really step in and have uh, a productive role on this team because I, from all accounts he's a great human being um and I'm hoping hoping for the best for him this year. And then lastly I am ready for Demeric Foster mm. and his tree trunk legs. The dude has the biggest thighs I've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> to, to do something as a true freshman. I know that we've got Darius Anderson. I know Emery Demercardo is on this team. Shewu Alonolua is available Saturday, but I don't see him playing. Um, I'm ready for one of these freshmen running back. I, I'm calling that it's Foster to do something really cool and have a breakout freshman year.
1: Yeah, I, it'll be interesting. Um, we heard a lot more about Darwin Barlow early in camp, and then we started hearing more about DeMarquai late in camp. Uh, mm-hmm. The odds that one of them contributes this year are very, very high, um, and, yeah. and it'll be really interesting to see which one of those guys kind of separates himself from the pack. Um, I do like want to just say, for those that don't know Dylan Thomas' story, a uh, local kid he went to Pasco, He was quarterback there at Pasco High, was a very, very good quarterback, committed to TCU as an athlete, and then, uh, much like Justin Rogers, suffered a very devastating knee injury Mm -hmm. in his senior year. Came back uh, early. I think he even played towards the end of his senior basketball season, uh, but has just kind of dealt with injuries on and off um, in the the years since uh, he's been at TCU. But was uh, probably TCU's best blocker. At the wide receiver position, a very, very skilled guy when it comes to not just running routes, but doing the little things. Um, And I think he has a chance maybe not to be the guy that's given the most attention, but uh, to be the guy who benefits from the guys that are being given the extra attention. So I, I think he could be... He's one of those guys that he's going to get you five... He's like a Jason Witten late in his career. He's going to find spot. He's going to get you five or six yards every time. And he's going to be open more often than not. And that's that's going to be a huge thing, whether we're looking at Alex Dell or Max Duggan at quarterback.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a kid who's only got like 15 career receptions for TCU. But I... The coaches have always spoken incredibly highly of him. Mm-hmm. He had two catches for 50 yards against Ohio State last year and that was the game he got banged up in and he didn't really play the rest of the season. So, yeah. you know, this is his junior year, I believe, senior year. Senior year. Senior year. Yeah, so this is the last and run. One last ride for Dylan Thomas, the local kid. I'm pulling for him. I hope everybody else is too. But the question, Melissa, is who's going to get all of these people to football? So we're going to enter into now. I'm going to start a timer. No more than five minutes talking about quarterbacks, because here's and I'm going to frame it this way: we we've all read, hopefully at this point, far too much information about Alex Delton and Max Duggan. Those are the those are the two front runners at this point. Alex Delton, like you said earlier, the grad transfer, senior, game manager. Not going to blow your mind with his arm talent, but he's not going to make too many mistakes. You've got true freshman Duggan, who is a gunslinger, has done nothing but impress the coaches. The only knock on him right now is his youth. Um, Incredibly high ceiling. So you have high floor in Alex Delton versus high ceiling in Max Duggan. Melissa, which one would you rather have? Because I think with Delton, like – you can go eight and four, nine and three. I think with Max Duggan, you could go six and six, seven and five or 11 and one. Yeah, It just depends on how quickly things click for him. Which would you rather have this season?
1: I'm so torn because Max Duggan is clearly the future of this program. Um, he's probably going to be a very, very good quarterback at some point in the very, very near future. Um, But, and this is a big but, this TCU defense is the best we've seen since 2014 easily. Uh, They are disruptive. They are destructive. uh, They're they're relatively deep at most positions outside of linebacker. uh, And they are so senior-laden. This is our last year with Ross Blacklock more than likely. Uh, He's probably going to be a first-round draft pick in the fall. Uh, This could be our last year with... Corey Bethley. It's our only year with Shameek Blackshear. Uh, Innis Gaines is going to be gone. Jeff Gladney is going to be gone. Julius Lewis is going to be gone. Uh, That is a very, very strong unit of guys who deserve to play with a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, Because if Mm -hmm. if the defense stays healthy and the quarterback play is slightly above average, even, even 20... 2016 or, or 2017, Kenny Hill, where we all kind of complained the whole time. But if you look back at the statistics, he was pretty dang good. Uh, then, then this team has a chance to win, uh, you know, nine, ten games, um, and and probably doesn't doesn't win win less than eight. Uh, but Duggan, like you said, is a guy that's good enough and talented enough to take T.C. to a Big 12 championship game, uh, without a doubt, to mm-hmm. go in and win in big spots. Um, I want to see Duggan play, but I, I guess I have a little bit too much Gary Patterson in me at this point. I kind of am willing to play it safe this year. And unless Duggan goes out and throws – four interceptions in the first half of the Purdue game uh, like the Hawaii quarterback did that uh, let him let him play until he shows he can't and then go to dug in. But if he if he's just consistent and he's giving you one or two touchdowns and throwing for 220 yards and turning it over, you know, once every 40 something, 50 something dropbacks, then I'm probably OK with with him being the guy this season.
0: Yeah, that's that's my that's my hang up too is the quality of the defense that we have this year. So the bad. fact that it's our last season with Jalen Rager, probably. Uh, do you do you risk losing all of that talent, not taking the best advantage that you possibly can of that talent? That I think that's the big question. And I I would be shocked if the coaches weren't struggling with that as well. Yeah. And that's why we haven't heard. Yeah, Yeah. and I, I that's why I also would be shocked if Alex Delton isn't the starter when that starter is finally named because you can't you just can't you can't risk I think the amount of talent that this team has right now and that's not to say that the defense next year won't be impressive. That's not to say that TCU won't have impressive wide receivers down the road if Duggan is handed the keys. But I think you just have a unique opportunity right now where you're – no one is guaranteed, but it's as close to guaranteed as possible right now that the Frogs could make a run at the top three in the Big 12, if not the Big 12 title. And you just don't – I just don't think you you risk it, frankly, at this point.
1: Yeah, I just – I don't – I think like you're right. I don't think you can. And now, that being said, Del- this is what we all assume is going to happen. Dalton's going to come out. He's going to play well against Arkansas Pine Bluff. He'll look a little sloppy early. He'll end up going something like 9 for 15 for 108 yards and run for another 100 probably. He'll give us like a, a good little teaser about this is what he can be. And then Duggan will come in. He'll light the world on fire and get us super, super excited. Uh, and then Patterson will start Delton in week Three against Purdue, and we'll all get super upset. And then Deldon's going to come out and throw two picks in the first half. TC's going to be hanging around. Duggan comes out to start the second half and rides off into the sunset for the rest of the season. Would not surprise me one bit if that's what happens, but I hope Dalton does well. Um, I have never heard Patterson talk about a player, an active player, especially a guy who just got there the way that he talks about Alex Delton. Uh, just from a character standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, uh, by all accounts, like one of the best human beings to step foot on TCU's campus. It doesn't matter if he's not an effective quarterback, <laughs> like he's not going to play. Mm-hmm. But uh, by the same token, he's a guy that I think everybody would really like to see do well, including Kansas State fans who all for the first time ever not a single one seems to be bitter that he left now that's probably because they all think he's trash but still i'll take it
0: Mm -hmm. right um yeah i i'm i don't know at this point we've we're at five minutes by the way so we need to move on but we um, all talk too much mostly it's okay everything's fine uh but that is that is the official frog's war stance. we don't know but we think uh that Selton is going to be the guy. Yep. Um, Let's continue these previews, Melissa, on the other side of a break because we got to give a word out to the mothership and uh, the people that pay for this kind of stuff. So we'll be right back. All right. We are back and we are continuing our unit by unit preview. Melissa, let's move to the offensive line where you have a lot of guys returning Uh, including arguably one of the best right tackles in college football in Lucas Niang. What do you expect from the offensive line this year?
1: I mean, it should be a really, really good unit. It should be very strong. Um, Niang anchors it, but it's littered with experience and talent and size uh, through the two deep easily. So uh, my biggest question mark right now is who the heck starts at center? Because that's the other thing. Everyone's so busy worried about quarterback. We have no idea who the starting center is going to be. And that is really interesting when you consider that Kelton Holland started pretty much every game last year and is still on this team and, as far as I know, is still healthy. And so that either means that, that Coy McMillan or whoever else has stepped up and is challenging him or that uh that that uh Holland's just not had the kind of camp that, that we expect from a from a veteran player. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on who you think should be starting at center or who you think will be starting at center. But I have some yeah. real concerns, especially if you think about potentially starting a freshman quarterback and not knowing who the center in front of him is going to be.
0: Yeah, you know, I think uh, when it comes to center specifically, Kelton did start 11 games in 2018, but he struggled in a couple of different ways. Uh, First of all, his snaps, especially, I noticed this more when Mike Collins was at quarterback last year, and I don't know what the reason for that is, but Hollins really struggled to consistently snap the ball to a quarterback and shotgun and have it go anywhere remotely close to uh, the quarterback's, like, (laughs) waist and hands where a snap <laughs> ideally would be true so you know there were so many pa- so many snaps that were low and so many snaps that were like left or right of the quarterback um i think that's the main reason that even if we do have a guy like Hollins on the roster still who started every game last year or most games last year uh that the door is still maybe a little bit open for another guy to come in and take that job from what i've seen and read uh Coy McMillan has been impressive and he played in 13 games last year. We also have to remember that Hollins missed spring because he was hurt. And so that may have given McMillan even more of, um, a leg up in taking that role from Kelton. Um, so frankly, I think we're going to see Coy McMillan roll out there at the, at the starting center spot, uh, against Arkansas Pine Bluff, whether that keeps will, you know, be based on how well he does. I think it's, I wouldn't say it's McMillan's job to lose at this point, but I think the coaches are willing to roll him out there until he messes up badly enough that, Helton, that they put uh, Hollins back in. Yeah, I think that's um, fair. And, you know, uh, uh, maybe Kelton gets it figured out and starts to snap the ball well because I think he was totally fine uh, from a blocking standpoint, but it's this, you've got to have a consistent uh, snap, and they didn't uh, have that in 2018.
1: Are you, are you ready for some Frogs of War deep-dive conspiracy theory stuff right here?
0: Always. Okay. Hang on. Let me get my tinfoil hat. Get your okay, tinfoil hat out.
1: Are you ready for this? Okay. Yes. One of my students was in an airport with a guy who was traveling home because of a family emergency who said he was the new starting center for TCU because the guy ahead of him had gotten hurt. He did not get. This? this was, um, this was a week ago. Okay. So, or less than a week ago. It was, it was Tuesday night, last Tuesday night. Uh So this guy's first name was, according to my student, Anthony. The only Anthony on TCU's football team that plays offensive line is Anthony McKinney. There's no way that Anthony McKinney comes out as the starting center tomorrow on the death chart, right? Like, this is ridiculous and my student just didn't know what he was talking about, right? Has to be.
0: That's your student. That is absolutely your student, like, Melissa does TCU stuff. Sorry. Miss Treebuster does TCU <laughs> stuff, and I'm going to try and impress her with my knowledge because Anthony McKinney is going to be starting at left tackle.
1: Or, or is he?
0: Yeah, no, he's going to be starting at left tackle. <laughs> so, he's I be at left tackle. I, so I, I don't know. I told the
1: kid that someone was apparently just lying to him, but mm-hmm.
0: yeah, he sort of got lied to. As big as Anthony McKinney is, I mean, he's like six nine, three four. 30 or whatever you can't play left tackle and center at the same time
1: hey it's can not, you imagine at least from what i've seen can you imagine a world where tcu's center is six foot eight? I'm just First saying. of all
0: every all all of our quarterback. it doesn't matter who starts at quarterback they would be screwed because, <laughs> because you, the you snap would, is going to be so TCU's high all, Snap would be so high and then they stand up to block and what are you going to look like
1: i'm going to be able to see <laughs> anything
0: all of our quarterbacks are like six foot exactly.
1: That's- so this is also <laughs> brings up the conspiracy that Justin Rogers is actually starting because he's the only dude tall enough to see over the center.
0: Justin Rogers on stilts. Yep, that's our starting quarterback.
1: There you go. I'm he- I'm here for it. Yep. Let's see it. Make it happen. I guess we'll her find her out her tomorrow. Knees are
0: above everybody else's head? <laughs> yeah, we'll find <laughs> so out. So true. We'll find out on Tuesday. So. When that depth – I'm just – I'm ready for that depth chart. I am. There are so many questions, you know.
1: so afraid of that depth chart.
0: Yeah. But, you know, uh, the, at guard, it, it seems like the Frogs are pretty set. You've got Iwagu coming back at left guard. You've got Wes Harris at right guard. Um, you've got some pretty good depth on the line. You've got Austin Myers, who worked at guard mm-hmm. and tackle a lot last year. Um, and then Brandon Brown is someone who's been pretty impressive as a true Mm -hmm. freshman. Um, So that's another guy that you can talk about. Uh, So realistically, like the depth I think is there. Um, Another name to keep an eye on too uh, is Esteban Avila, Mm -hmm. who came into TCU as a tackle, but has transitioned to center. And so he's another name that we could talk about at center. Um, But again, like I said, my money is on McMillan to be the starter. Yeah,
1: no, I, I think so for sure.
0: Um, All right, let's move on to – that's plenty of offensive line talk for this episode. Let's move on to uh, the secondary, and let's start with uh, some key names that uh, we can talk about here. First and foremost, uh, Noah Daniels is out for the season, um, and that's a big blow at cornerback for the Frogs. Um, Obviously – He was a reserve behind Julius Lewis and Jeff Gladney, but he was a reserve who a lot of people were really hoping might be a starter in 2019. Um, And it's always good to have depth when you have a guy like Julius Lewis, who is incredibly talented, but is tends to get banged up throughout the year. Um, Melissa, how much does Noah Daniels injury uh, give you pause when it comes to cornerback depth?
1: I mean I'm definitely concerned because uh Daniels was a guy who was so, so good against Ohio State. Uh he fell off a little bit after that and didn't didn't you didn't really hear his name called too much, but he definitely he showed that he had serious potential Uh, to be a big-time contributor, and when you have two starting cornerbacks, you feel like you're in pretty good shape, but the injury history tells us that having a third very reliable, experienced guy is is absolutely critical, especially in the Big 12. So uh, Mm -hmm. I'm concerned about that, but I'm also excited because maybe it throws a couple of true freshmen that have been really, really impressive uh, into the mix to to play right away. And one of those two freshmen happens to share a name with one of the greatest players to ever suit up at it's TCU. It's very true. And if Travius Hodges Tomlinson uh, can come on as a freshman and make an impact, there will not be a player that gets a louder ovation in the stadium than that dude just walking out with the Tomlinson name. Uh, he's already a fan favorite, and apparently he's lived up to the billing so far as Patterson has had a lot of good things to say about him. And you do not mm-hmm. hear Patterson say many good things about two freshmen in the secondary ever, yeah. so or secondary players, period. So, um Daniels Hurts, like the talent is there behind him, but that's just a guy that played in some really big games last year, um, has the size, he's a lot bigger than than some of these young guys, um, and, and looked like he was primed to to be a really critical player uh, in, in that, that unit for TCU. So I'm disappointed for the kid too. Um, you know, he's just, this was supposed to be his moment, and, and getting hurt so early before he even gets a chance to play just kind of sucks. But uh, I think we'll be able to recover. From that loss, but uh, it it could absolutely be a key factor late in the season.
0: I agree. Um, I, I've got I've got some thoughts, but before I get into my thoughts, I just want to say that at this time last year, I was getting picked apart by certain Nation, uh, by certain frogs of war staffers who will not be named, but their name r- rhymes a lot with uh, Chasen uh, for saying that Jeff Gladney was going to be one of the best cornerbacks in the country last year. And I would like to just say at this point that I believe that I was right and he was wrong. So let the record reflect that I actually knew what I was talking about for once. Um, I think that when you have a number one corner like Jeff Gladney, as long as that guy stays healthy, your secondary is going to be in really good shape, especially Mm -hmm. when uh, he is so adept at forcing turnovers and getting to the ball, even when his guy that is not the one that the ball is being thrown to, um, he's so freaking fast. Uh, he's like the fastest guy in college football. Uh, when you have a talent like that, it impacts everybody else to the positive. And so even with Julius Lewis's injury history, he's got an immense amount of talent, too. And uh, as long as he's healthy, I think I think the, the ones are going to lock it down in, in TCU's secondary. Um, let, let my big eat. question is... Oh, go ahead. I was
1: gonna say, let me just add to the, uh, Jeff Gladney love a little bit. That dude has been walking around for the past month like he's Deion Sanders. The swag is off the (laughs) chart. All I will say is this. We were supposed to get a chance to talk to Jeff on the first media availability on report day. We were not given a chance to talk to Jeff. And I can guarantee it's because no one wanted to give us the opportunity to talk to Jeff for fear of what he might say. So I think the swag is in full force. And when you have a cornerback... But that kind of swag, like, that's a good thing. Like, dude is 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 going to go out there and prove it every single day.
0: Well, you talk about that, yeah, that mentality. Look at Jalen Rager's dad. Monty yeah. Rager was a dominant defensive back for so long, and he's instilled that same kind of swagger into his son. And look at what Rager's done on the other side of the ball. Yeah uh i am pumped for jeff gladney senior season like this is going to be one for one to remember i i am fully on board the jeff gladney train at this point and i am so pumped Uh, i think another name to keep an eye on though is Keon stewart another true Mm -hmm. freshman who uh has done nothing but um impress as of late he's so fast he ran a Ten five hundred meter, I think, in high school. <laughs> ridiculous. Like, like you talk about speed. You know, this is the crazy thing. This is probably one of the fastest defenses TCU has ever had. Yeah. Like you talk about senior leadership, but also just the the, the ridiculous amount of speed, especially when you move a guy like Vanzant down to linebacker. Like that's that's wild to me. So keep an eye on Keon Stewart, though. I think he's going to have a lot of um, opportunity to really show out as a true freshman. The big question coming out of cornerback, though, is, you know, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, his uncle was LT. Is he going to be TT? I,
1: re- I really hate that you just did that, and I wish we could go to break right now. <laughs>
0: I mean, <laughs> I feel like it's a legit question. No. It's a legit question.
1: I'm really disappointed in you. And Jamie, I know has been a be... while since be podcasted, but <laughs> that's kind of an inexcusable thing, and I'm a little bit upset about it. But it's okay. We're we'll going to move on it. Um, I we'll stand just...
0: by it. I will continue to refer to him as that.
1: You do have two boys as children, so the oh fact that gosh. you're All out right. here telling dad jokes is not um, – I will get us back Do you know when track. a joke
0: becomes – Do you know when a dad joke – when a joke becomes a dad joke?
1: Oh, boy. This is going to be a dad joke, isn't it? Tell me more. Mm
0: -hmm. When it becomes apparent.
1: (sighs) Hey, if you're still listening, I just want to say thank you. Um, I'm really sorry that we've we've taken this dark (laughs) turn. Uh, This dead air
0: is really good uh, for podcasting. It's yeah, good. Right. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm going to bring
1: um, us back to football really quickly. Uh, let's back do it. to the speed conversation. What uh, one thing that I, I love, my favorite thing about Big 12 Media Days is, you know, Gary Patterson walks around a little bit with a chip on his shoulder, especially at events like that when Lincoln Riley mm-hmm. and Tom Herman have all the pub, and there's Gary, and uh, one of the Austin American Statesman reporters was down there and asked him a couple of questions about stars and rankings and publicity and. Gary just starts not only rattling off the names of players that he's signed in the last couple of years that, that this reporter had clearly never heard of, but also their their 100-meter split times, their 200-meter split times, and their 40 times. And, and it was such a statement of who Gary Patterson is. Not only does he go after... Like, he has a very specific kid that he's looking for, and it does not matter what they're ranked. All that matters is how fast they run. And oh, man, like... People were just kind of blown away by the speed on this team, and I think it's going to be really fun to see it in action.
0: Yeah, I think so too, and it's on. It's everywhere. It's everywhere, though. Like, we talk about fast defense. When you've got Barkley and Barber and Rager at wide receiver, when you're hearing out of camp that Darius Anderson is the fastest that he's yeah. ever been, I mean, the speed is everywhere on this team, and that's going to be so stinking awesome.
1: Oh, for sure! It's gonna be fun to watch.
0: Absolutely, definitely is. Let's move on, though, away from preview time uh, to bold predictions. So we've got a couple different things here. I want to, I want to start from you with you, though, Melissa. What is your bold prediction as far as breakout players go this season?
1: Oh man! I mean, it's. It's tough not to just want to go with O'Shawn Mathis. Um, I think he's the easy one. He's going to uh, potentially be the next great pass rusher at TCU. Ben Banigou said that that he has a chance to be the best ever by the time his career is done. Um, And and Patterson Mm -hmm. even said that uh, when Ben says that, it's because Patterson's been talking a little bit too much about O'Shawn, um, and that just goes to show you that everybody around the program senses there's something really, really special with this kid. Uh, so I, I think he's going to be just uh, significantly uh, a part of this defense. I also um, I cannot believe we've gotten through an entire podcast at this point without me saying the name in his games. Uh, he is my favorite player <laughs> on TCU's football team. Uh, he is one of my favorite people his story um, with his son and the way that he, like, runs around the practice facility with his kid, like, it's he's just – he's a perfect human, and you will not convince me otherwise. Um, hopefully that stays true. Um, but – He is such the linchpin to the success of this defense in the secondary. Jeff Gladney is is probably the best player uh, in the secondary. Uh, Julius Lewis is probably the steadiest guy. But in his games, is such a difference maker. And we saw him really breaking out until he got hurt in the Texas Tech game. Uh, If he stays healthy Mm -hmm. for 12, 13 dare I say, 14 or 15 games, uh, then I think that, that TCU defense goes from being great to elite. And uh, an elite defense can take this team a very, very long way. So those are the two guys um, defensively that I'm really paying attention to and that I think have a chance to be game breakers. I'm also excited to see some of these young guys in the secondary. Um, the name is uh, Trayvon Morrig, I think, is is a guy. Yeah who uh, who a lot of people have been, been talking about since last year. He got pressed into duty way earlier than expected. Um, but he really, uh, for a true freshman in that secondary, playing that position for Patterson, um, he more than held his own. And uh, I, I think yeah, that... Yeah, being the
0: shot caller out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. As, as an
0: 18-year-old, yeah. He um, He's my pick defensively to be a breakout this year. I love Trevon Morig. I think he has been slighted by the Big 12 pundits because there are bigger names at bigger schools in the Big 12 at, that are young safeties who have been getting a lot of attention. Um, and I think that he is, he is going to show everyone this year that he is one of the better young safeties in the Big 12 and that he's going to have just a great year. Offensively, though, I am super, super pumped about Mikael Barkley. Mm -hmm. I think, like you said, he's been under the radar uh, this year. I think he's been a little banged up as of late, so hopefully he gets healthy enough to play uh, uh, for Arkansas Pine Bluff. But if not, I would love for Purdue, if that's his first game, for him to just go out and just light the world on fire because that dude is fast. That dude is track speed fast. And if you have a burner like that opposite of other burners – And Tay Barber and Jalen Rager, like who who are they gonna stop on the on the defense on the offensive side of the ball? Like it's pick your poison, basically. So give me Mikhail Barkley as my breakout offensive player this year. I know I I just showed like Tay Barber a ton of love earlier in this episode, but I'm I'm really just frankly pumped about all of the wide receivers. So
1: yeah, me too. I I think that, that assuming one of them is a strong number two, that all of them have a chance to be really, really great.
0: I think so too. Uh moving on to the next prediction. Give me TCU's final season record and what bowl they go to.
1: Oh god, I hate this so much. Um I like it's <laughs> it's August. We haven't played a game yet. We haven't seen anything happen yet. And so I want to be a crazy homer. I want to be super super excited about uh, everything going on here and believe in everything and believe the quarterback controversy isn't that big of an issue and to say, heck, we're going 11-2 and two and going to the Big 12 championship game. Like, that's, that's what I want to say. But then I also know that anytime I get really, really excited and overly confident about this team, we end up winning, like, seven games. So, I'm going to mm-hmm. split the difference. I'm going to say that, that I'm, I'm fairly confident that the Frogs can find a way to nine wins. I think that, that it's it's expected to go 2-1 and one in the preseason, and it's very reasonable to win all three. You've got Texas at home. You've got the improved Baylor team at home. Oklahoma State is is a little bit at a weak spot compared to when we've had to go to Stillwater the last couple of years. They're as vulnerable as they're going to be for the next four years, so that's a chance to go and get another win in Stillwater. Oklahoma is still the best team in this conference, so someone proves otherwise, but we need to see what Jalen Hurts does in in this Lincoln Riley system before we anoint him as the next great Oklahoma quarterback. Um, you know, you've got to go out and, and win at Texas Tech and Lubbock. You'd expect to win against West Virginia at home and God forbid we lose to Kansas for two years in a row. It's just not gonna happen. So the opportunity I, will, I will quit this job. Yeah, I, I will. I will, quit this job if I will we lose to Kansas Quit living in Texas. I will just move out of the probably state it that be that better. Some
0: people are probably some yeah, now people to, are going to uh, be rooting uh, rooting
1: against uh, TCU against in that game, but uh, but I, I think that that getting to nine wins is, is a really reasonable goal, and uh, ending up in the Alamo Bowl for the third time in in uh, five years would not be a bad uh, a bad little prize at the end of it, in my opinion. So uh, that I think is reasonable. I think I think a ten wins is is possible, and eleven isn't completely out of the question. But this is probably an eight nine win team that the defense carries.
0: Yeah, I, I've really, you know, you, th- you think back to, uh, gosh, what was it, 2012, the first year in the Big 12, when that defense was so stacked and we just didn't know what the heck was happening with our quarterback because Paw Hall was doing Paw Hall things. <laughs> um, and that was still a seven win team. You think about 2014 with. Arguably the most dominant defense that TCU has ever had. Uh, and the way that they led that thing, even with a lights-out offense, it was still a lot about the defense that year. Um, I, yeah, I agree. I think the defense gives me just so much hope. Uh, I look at the schedule, too, and I see some of the same things that you see. Um, but I also see a, a, a Texas team that... Has lost eight starters on defense. The offense is mostly returning, but it's not the most impressive offense in the world. And uh, ten and two. I'm con- I'm I'm working my way into ten and two. Calling um, that shot, huh? I'm calling it, and I'm trying to Google frantically right now for the college the New Year six. Assignments for this year. Um, I can't find them right out of the gate. Sugar bowl at large.
1: Yeah, at large. I think is Rose.
0: Ooh. Well, I think the Big Twelve champ goes to the college football playoff this year. So, um, give me sugar. I think TCU goes ten and two. I think they're second in the Big Twelve. I think they go to the Sugar Bowl. Wow. I I look around. I look around the Big Twelve this year. And I see a ton of teams who have, like, typically been – I look around the Big 12 this year and I see a lot of questions at quarterback. I look around the Big 12 this year and I see a lot of defenses who are either changing because of new coaches like at Oklahoma or they've lost a ton like all of the graduated seniors at Texas uh, or they just have never really been that great defensively. Um, You've got your exceptions, right? Iowa State – is gonna be a really good team. That's one of the teams that I think really scares me. You mentioned Oklahoma State already having some big question marks, even though that game is in Stillwater, and for some reason, TCU treats Stillwater like it's Happy Valley. I don't know, <laughs> um, but I just—I don't know. I've got a weird feeling that this this thing's going somewhere this year. And so, give me ten and two. Give me Sugar Bowl. Wow,
1: there who do, it is. Who do, um, Oklahoma, Big Twelve oh,
0: champ. Yeah, I still think OU Big 12 champ. I don't think Texas is nearly as good as they think they're going to be. I think Iowa, I think it goes Oklahoma, TCU, Iowa State, Texas, top four in the Big 12.
1: All right. I like it.
0: And then everybody else is just everybody else. I think okay. Tech regresses. I think Baylor is much better but not good enough to really compete. I see them like around maybe fifth, sixth Kansas State breaking in a new coach. Uh, Kansas breaking in less miles in the worst of ways, you know. There's just so there are so many question marks in the Big 12. I think this is one of the years the TCU really has a shot.
1: Yeah, I I, I mean, the the is there. If the quarterback play is good enough, then it's a chance for something special for sure.
0: Yeah, and do you want a really bold prediction? I'm moving to the next point on our run sheet, by the way. A really bold prediction from me. You can mark this down. It is 7.20 p.m. on Monday, August 26th. It is 100 degrees outside, so maybe that's why I'm thinking this way. I would not be shocked if TCU has three first-round draft picks in the NFL draft this Whoa. time in April.
1: Whoa!
0: Jalen Rager.
1: Okay.
0: Lucas Nyang.
1: Okay.
0: Ross Blacklock.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's
0: like one of those guys. maybe even two, maybe even all three. Realistically, could you know wind up as like second round, third round guys. Like we've got a whole year of football ahead of us. Right now, on paper, I think those three guys, and based on what I've been reading from NFL draft scout people, all of those guys are pretty highly valued. Rager and Niang, especially, very highly rated. Um, And I think once Blacklock gets back on the field and reminds people of how impactful he is, that he's going to start to jump up boards as well. So there's my, there's my like crazy bold prediction. Three first round draft picks for TCU NFL draft next year.
1: Yeah, that, uh, that, that, you can call me a lunatic now. TCU makes the sugar bowl, finishes second in the big 12 and has three first round draft picks. You're looking at a new era of TCU. For all the success that the Frogs have had, I mean, that is a putting your stamp on the national consciousness in a way that, like, erases all doubts about what this program is.
0: It's true. And, uh, again, it could be, like, the 25 straight days of plus 100-degree weather that we've had sure. in Texas that is, sure. like, melting my brain. Um, but I just I, – I literally, for me, the only big question is that quarterback. And either way that you go, it's positive, I feel. So, I don't know. Do you have any random big predictions for us? 2,000-yard rushers. Who are they?
1: Darius Anderson.
0: Okay. And like I,
1: can't, like I, I want to say Alex Felton, but I can't say Alex Felton because I don't think he's going to start 12 games. Uh, but if he does, I would not at all be surprised to see him get close to that thousand yard mark. Um, otherwise, it's, it's probably DA and Sheawo. I don't think Shao he sits probably at least for the first half of the Pine Bluff game um, as, as his, his punishment, um, which I'm okay with for being really honest. I, I think if they want to punish him and make him miss some time, fine. But it, it, this should not, his offense should not, he didn't hurt anybody. He did something illegal, he had something illegal. Based on what we know, I feel strongly that he should be allowed to play in the second half of that game, um, but that's my personal opinion. So uh, I, I think he could, he could be really, really great this year too. And if you have even a young quarterback or a quarterback who's not the most adept at throwing the ball, that you could certainly be looking at a situation um, where, where both of your starting running backs get an opportunity to get close to that 1,000-yard mark. And I will also I, I will say this too. Here's, here's one. Mm-hmm. Jalen Rager leads TCU in total offense. He does not lead TCU in total receiving yards.
0: What? I think Who he, does? Tay Barber. Dang, okay. And it's close. This, by the way, this is now uh, a Tay Barber fan site. Yeah, right? So. Pretty
1: much, yeah. 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 I, okay. I, think, I think that I think Barber is going to get... I think Rager is going to touch the ball more, but... I don't think we have quarterbacks that are going to get him a lot of forty-yard bombs, and and teams are going to be so focused on him defensively, you're going to have to get creative putting the ball in his hands. So he'll rack up a ton of yardage, but I I, could, I think someone else is going to have more receiving yards. And really, at this point, we're just I'm just pulling stuff out just to try to be you know just have crazy stuff on record so that back, and you're just when trying I'm, to
0: match. You're just trying to match my level. Yeah, you, of,
1: you went so insane that yeah, I just need to need to keep up.
0: Well, that's fair. That's fair. It's hard to keep up with my crazy. True, so. true, true. You're doing your best, though. You're doing your best, uh, Melissa. Let's shift just for a few minutes as we wrap this show up uh, into the game happening on Saturday. TCU plays Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, it's it's not one of those games that you want to do like a big, deep, in depth preview for because it's Arkansas Pine Bluff. They're a bad FCS school, like they're or they're a bad D two school. I mean, they're just bad. It's Arkansas Pine Bluff. It's the first game of the year. It's like the most lackluster start you could have. What should TCU fans' expectations be for this football game?
1: Uh, win and get out of there healthy. The end. Yeah, that's that's the key. Uh, put put six seven touchdowns on the board. Don't give up more than one. Uh, don't get anybody hurt. And uh, just just go out and, and remind everybody that you're a good football team. And then get the heck out of there.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think, yeah, when you're talking about, like, expectations and takeaways and that kind of thing, just check those boxes, stay healthy, get the win, move on to Purdue. Yeah. We're moving on to Purdue.
1: Moving on to Purdue. And, boy, I you cannot a wait prediction. for that game. Uh, yeah, give me uh, TCU. We're going go to go 48-13. to I do think that the third-team defense gives up a touchdown. Otherwise, you're holding them to a couple of uh, uh, field goals.
0: I'll say TC63, Pine Bluff 10.
1: Okay. I like it. I like it.
0: Yeah. So. But I think this has been a long enough episode, even though it was the first one of the year. So we should probably wrap up at this point. Um, this has been the Frogs War podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're glad to be back. We're glad that it's football season. And we know that you are, too. If you could, do us a big favor and go and like the show on iTunes. Um, like it wherever you find it. Leave a rating, leave a review. Um, that helps put us in more ears. That helps get the TCU fan base growing a little bit. Uh, and we'd love to we love to have Horn Frogs sitting and listening and then talking to us about Horn Frog stuff. Um, I'm Jamie Plunkett.
1: I'm Melissa Treewasser.
0: And we'll talk to you later. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.